You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 22, where we talk with Joe Allen on elk hunting in Idaho, Colorado, and the Pacific Northwest. Hello, guys. How's it going? Thanks for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, hosted on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Appreciate you being here. Hope you're having a great day. I am just... Wrapped up a little archery shooting this morning and, uh, you know, get, just trying to get dialed in for season. It's always fun when you shoot your bow. It's always a good time and it's just something therapeutic about it. So I've been concentrating on that, been doing some scouting. I've been out kind of hiking the hills into some of my elk spots, hanging trail cameras. And I recently put together a video. It's a two part elk scouting series where. I kind of go in digitally and I show you what to look for on Google Earth and using Onyx Maps as well. And I kind of detail, you know, what terrain to look for as far as topography, showing you what benches look like, using those topo lines and figuring out their kind of bedding and travel routes. And then in association with food and cover and water. Um, So I kind of digitally scout and kind of walk you through the computer side. And then I do a part two video where I take you into the field and kind of show you, um, you know, reference those spots that I scouted digitally and show you what that actually looks like and further explain why they're there. So that's pretty cool. Um, Go to my website or Transition Wild on YouTube and you'll see those videos there. Hopefully that kind of gives you, for the people that live out of state and can't really hunt Um, or, you know, get to Colorado or, you know, anywhere in the West, hopefully that gives you a little insight on what you're looking for digitally and how that translates to what it, you know, actually is out in the field. So go check that out. Um, if you are planning on elk hunting in Colorado this year or next year, or, you know, two, three years from now, go to, go to my website, transitionwell.com and subscribe. And I'll send you the Colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free. And it's really just an all-encompassing guide that really gets you started and, uh, you know, with planning, scouting, what gear to buy, resources, um, gear lists, and really just inspiration for your first elk hunt. So um, definitely go check that out. Subscribe and I'll send you that for free. All right. Um, Yeah, if you like what you're hearing, definitely subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network Big Game Feed. That's where Transition Wild Podcast is hosted. I launch a new episode every other week, twice a month. And uh, again, if you like what you're hearing, leave us a good review. Leave us that five-star review. Be much, much appreciated. Check Sportsman's Nation out on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, they've recently launched a new uh, blog kind of you know, video series with some of the other guys on there. So definitely give that a look. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in. All right, um, let's see. On today's episode, we have Joe Allen, and I recently, not recently, I met him, let's see, a year or two ago at the ATA show, and then I connected with him last summer, and, uh, you know, we kind of just stayed in touch, but 
you know, Joe reached out to me and he's had the privilege of hunting elk in three different states and he's by no means an expert um, as we'll kind of go through in the show, but he kind of sh- walks us through the differences of hunting in, you know, Idaho, Colorado, and, and now he's, he's going on an elk hunt in Oregon and that's a completely different uh, game altogether. And there's a lot of good insight as, as far as, you know, he's not the most hardcore guy in the world and he'll be the first to admit that and he doesn't know all the answers but you know he really illustrates that anybody can do this and if you make connections and go about it the right way you know anybody can go out and elk hunt and and it's just a really cool story joe's a great guy so let's not delay any longer let's get joe allen on the line all right on the line with us now we have joe allen how you doing today man I'm good. How are you, Adam? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, as far as I know, you're in southern Missouri, is that correct? Yeah, I live in Branson, Missouri, which is right on the, the southern border of Missouri with Arkansas. Got it, got it. Yeah, I've yet to I've yet to check out Branson, but um, let's see, Last the last time we saw each other, we were at Bass Pro in Springfield, and you guys were doing some seminars and doing some stuff with the Bass Pro Fall Classic, and so was Quiet Cat, so we got to catch up a little bit then. Um, but didn't we meet a couple years ago at the ATA show as well? Didn't you stop by the booth? I did stop by at one point. I don't even recall um, who I spoke to, uh, but maybe maybe that was you. But I did <laughs> stop by just because I, I, I've always thought Quiet Cat was a, was a cool product, and... Um, so we we definitely saw each other in Springfield, which is about north, about thirty five minutes north of where I live, and um, so it's it's interesting the the terrain where we saw each other in Springfield is like so totally different than where I live. It's just thirty five minutes away, but it's like a um, a very big difference in terrain between like a more flat area around Springfield versus the Ozark mountains of Branson. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying that, like, it's, it's like a completely different landscape. It's almost mountainous to a certain point. Cause you were saying there's, there's a lot of Hills. Um, there's a lot of kind of bluffs. There's, you know, a lot of, a lot of water, a lot of, uh, river kind of banks that are pretty steep. Um, I imagine that's, that's pretty tough hunting and I could see why the quiet cat would be, uh, intriguing to you to kind of access different properties in that landscape. For sure. So, so we live on what's called the Ozark Plateau. So we actually live on like an elevated portion of Missouri and what seems like, or what we call the Ozark Mountains, I guess is a plateau with a series of hollers or what I would describe to a Western person as miniature canyons. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like the Ozark Mountains didn't necessarily grow up, but um, but the, the land, the plateau, the plateau receded downwards. So what you're, you're left with now is like different elevations. And I think my house sits at like 1600 foot. And then I have about four or 500 foot of ele- elevation change going down. If I walk down into the bottom of the valley or the holler, um, where I live. Got it. So, Got it. so a very miniature version of what a mountain person would describe as as like the Rocky Mountains or uh, or a true mountain range. Got it. But it still looks very pretty. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I've seen pictures and I've heard good things. I'll have to definitely when I'm in that area next uh, next time down there, I'll have to stop over and and uh, see what you're working with in in your neck of the woods. Yeah, and if you go from this is. an an interesting way to look at it. If you go from the Ozark mountains and appear in Colorado and start at like 5,000 feet and then go up to 10,000 feet, you definitely realize quickly that living in the Ozarks in in Missouri is definitely not mountains. (laughs) There's, there's a whole different uh, uh, exertion level there. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, 
Well, cool, Joe. That that all sounds really good, and I, I definitely want to get into the mountain hunting and you know specifically talk about elk hunting and hear from your past experiences. And I know you've got an elk hunt uh, scheduled for this coming fall, and I'm eager to dive into that. And I want to hear the whole story and preparation and everything. But um, before that, I, I kind of know a little bit about what you have going on, just from you know obviously knowing you, but. Can you kind of just give us and the listeners a background of, you know, what you currently do, um, you know, and, and maybe how you got into hunting and, and, you know, tell us a little bit about Hunt Co. and, and all that good stuff. Just give us an overview of what you have going down in your neck of the woods and give us an overview of Joe Allen. For sure. Um, so I am the original creator of and the current co-executive producer of a television show called Hunt Co., which is like short for the Hunt Company. Um, And we are currently filming for our fifth season on the Pursuit Channel. And we just finished airing our original uh, uh, string of of episodes for season four. So we'll be back on the air with Pursuit Channel starting in January. We air on Sunday mornings. And uh, then we also air on a couple of regional channels out of southern Missouri and out of Virginia. We're online at the new Outdoor Adventure Network. We, we were on Carbon TV, but we just changed over this year to the Outdoor Adventure Network, which can be found online on iTunes and on Amazon uh, uh, Video. Roku, I believe. Um, and then we also went ahead and, and started our own YouTube channel so that we, we could archive our, our uh, already aired episodes uh, on our own YouTube channel. Um, and we're currently shopping our show overseas as well in Europe and Asia. So, yeah, we're just trying to reach out to as many people as possible. As, as an industry person, you know very well that um, it costs money to create a television show. And <laughs> yep. you generally get that money either out of your own pocket or from sponsors. And uh, so we want to give our sponsors as much reach as possible. And then, of course, we're online or on social media uh, at uh, on Instagram uh, at the Hunt Co. and at the underscore Hunt Co., and then Hunt Co. on Facebook as well. Got it. So we're a group of buddies who got together um, about five years ago and said, you know, let's try to learn cameras. And I started doing a film school um, in the basement of my home just for our guys uh, twice a year. And then that turned into more of a nationally recognized film school. I have people come in from different states usually every year. And um, I've created kind of a brand and a business out of that. Um, and I have a website called HuntCoFilmSchool.com. So uh, we're currently working on um, getting an online master class together where people can actually subscribe online rather than making the trip to come to my film school. Oh, really? Oh, wow. That's that's really cool. Yeah, digital is the way to go. And uh, did, is this something like I've seen some of your episodes, but are you primarily kind of whitetail based or are you guys doing adventure hunts all over the country or tell us a little bit about what the show entails and kind of some of the hunts that you've been doing over the past couple of years? Yeah. So my original creative vision was local guys hunting, uh, private land that we own or manage or both ourselves and obviously the staple game around here, our big game, so to speak, are, is white deer and turkey. Um, and so that's what we've all grown up doing as a family, family tradition. But most of us um, have a history of at least taking one trip a year. And we didn't want to say, well, we're only going to show or share our whitetail and turkey hunts. We want to share other adventures as well. So we've aired um, turkey hunts in Texas, uh, 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 elk hunts in Colorado and Idaho. Um, one of our guys shot a gator last year. Uh, we're going back to Florida this year to, for a gator hunt. But what we do stick to is, um, is archery only. So um, generally, unless it's like a, a, a youth hunter or one of our wives hunting for the first time, 
will will only air archery hunts. Oh wow, that's cool. That's pretty unique because I mean that's that's tough biz, as you know, to get a to get archery on on film and and uh, just a lot close quarters, and it's not an easy task, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. That that anybody who's archery hunted knows the challenge that you add um, to a hunt um, by having to get within archery range and. Basically, if it's legal and we we have the opportunity, we're gonna we're gonna go do it and we're gonna film it. I mean, this summer I'm working on uh, a free range uh, private farm hog hunt in Arkansas, and that landowner has been helping me with our covert trail cameras and scouting and and uh, basically calling me up when he thinks the getting's good. Uh, we went down there this past weekend on Saturday night. And, uh, we weren't successful at, at killing anything, but um, we're we're trying to learn the hogs on that particular property and trying to get them patterned. And you know, for me, I'm just man. I'm a I've grown up as a hunter, and I'm just a hunter at heart. And I, I honestly, I mean, whether I'm close to a bull elk in Colorado or a pig in Arkansas. I mean, I just like to be outdoors and, and pursuing game. I like to eat wild game and feed my family and friends and uh, with it. And uh, it's, it's a great uh, opportunity to have healthy, fresh, organic meat. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I guess, easy to please, you could say. I mean, uh, you give me a, a license and, and a spot to hunt and I'll be there. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Getting outside, getting outdoors, spending time with friends and family. And at the end of the day, creating some memories and hopefully uh, a few backstraps and <laughs> some, some nice organic wild uh, lean, uh, protein in the freezer. That's, that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And that's what drives me as well. So, um, it's good to hear you're on the same page there and keep that tradition going. Um, so how did, how did you get, how did you get into hunting? Is that something that you grew up doing as a young kid? Uh, did you, were you introduced to it by family? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, it's actually kind of interesting. I got into it and then I got out of it and then I got back into it just because of life (laughs) circumstances. The first time I ever shot a bow and arrow, um, uh, my brother-in-law at the time, uh, he would take me out into the woods and we would just go out with his 30 old 35 millimeter camera and, uh, and try to find deer out in fields. And he would take pictures of them. And of course he hunted during the hunting season. I was, I was too young at the time to really participate other than walking around with my BB gun and, uh, shooting at trees and stuff. But, um, I used his, I don't even remember what kind of bow it was, uh, but uh, his was the first arrow that I, I ever flung. Um, and uh, I, could, I remember being able to pull the string back just enough to make the arrow fly about five yards into a bale of hay. And from there I was hooked. Um, and then as I got older, uh, I became very interested in um, uh, traditional, like mainstream, I guess you could say, sports. So I played baseball, basketball, track, um, cross country, uh, and then ended up getting a scholarship uh, to play college athletics. And so that took up so much time, and and I had such a love for for sports that um, I I didn't hunt for many, many years. And then after I finished law school, um, I, I... became friends with a guy and he invited me to go out to his family's farm, uh, during, uh, the, the beginning of archery deer season. So I bought a, a, a used Browning bow for 200 bucks and had a case and arrows and a release and pretty much everything I needed to get started. Went to Walmart, bought some camo and, uh, and started hunting again. And I've been hunting, um, every season, uh, pretty seriously since like the summer, well, or the fall of uh 2006 no 2005 oh wow nice that's really cool um so you you said you went to law school are you currently a lawyer is that is that your day job or are you focusing more on hunt code now as kind of a full-time gig tell us tell us about your background there yeah i mean that that's my job that's how i support my my family um the, the hunt company, you know, we, we raise enough money for sponsorships to, to pay for our habit and to pay for, 
for airtime and production costs. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not something that I've ever <clears throat> tried to make a living at. Um, and I, I certainly work a full schedule at my office. I'm very busy with my, my law practice. Uh, but I always make sure I make time for, for hunting between work and, and my family. And uh, it's just something that, as you may very well know, that you just have to do. So uh, I, I certainly always make time every year for hunting. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. I mean, I work at Quiet Cat. I love the job. Um, get to work in the industry, but at the end of the day, it's still a job. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. And I get to talk to people like you every day. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat with Transition Wild. You know, I'm starting to bring on some sponsors and partnerships to, you know, just cover the cost and to maybe pay for a hunt here and there so that I can further enjoy, you know, the outdoors and get to experience some things that I haven't yet to experience, like, you know, potentially a different um, hunt somewhere down the road. So that's kind of where I'm at, just trying to make make some money to cover cover the habit, like you said, so to speak, and, yeah. you know, build it from and, there. And you do some, just like us, you do some branding with apparel. And I recently ordered a couple of your t-shirts Yeah, fit very well. And <laughs> I, I wear them all the time. I, I, I love them. So Thanks, man. I like to support other people doing, uh, doing something similar, you know, kind of, uh, creating new brands and new opportunities for content uh, and media in the outdoor industry. So as soon as, as soon as your shirts went up for sale, I was like, yeah, give me, give me two. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And I was going to ask you if you, if you were liking them so far and how they were fitting, but it sounds like, uh, sounds like, uh, you're, you're definitely a fan. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I wear them all the time. Sweet, sweet. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, uh, definitely look for an order from me from, from your side here soon. I'd, I've been meaning to actually do that myself to reciprocate the favor and, uh, support you as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll yeah, definitely just, be getting in I touch with you. Out, I just came out with a new, a new shirt design. So nice. They're, they're available. Well, count, count me in for, for one of those for sure. I'll, I'll definitely be talking with you after we get off the phone here. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so cool. Well, we kind of touched on your background and how you got into hunting and, you know, a little bit with what you're doing with film school and hunt co and, and, you know, filming hunts and doing all that. Um, but let's, let's jump into your elk hunts and kind of want to parlay it into, you know, Hey, how you, how you prepared for that first hunt. Tell us about, you know, Idaho and Colorado. And then I want to, you know, dive into what you have upcoming for this fall and then we can talk about how you're preparing for that, how, what you're doing differently, what you've learned from the past, and and kind of go from there. Does that kind of sound like a good schedule of events of how we should lay out the rest of this podcast? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, cool. Yeah, so tell us tell us a little bit about um, your first elk hunts. Like, you know, was this a couple years ago, where you went, and maybe how you got started and, you know, deciding on where to go and all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I'll qualify my, my description or uh, my, my story in the beginning with the fact that I don't, I don't want to sound self-deprecating. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely have knowledge about archery and hunting, but I tell you what, there is a, there's a big difference between hunting deer and turkey um, in the Midwest and hunting larger game um, in uh, the Western states. And I have a I have a ton of respect for those guys who um, who go out and, and attack the mountains, and um, I, I've I've had some experience with the mountains before because I used to be a pretty avid snowboarder. So I would go to on on different snowboarding trips every year. Um, so I knew about elevation change. I knew about altitude sickness and how to how to prepare for that and how to uh, try to keep myself in shape and healthy for, um, for, you know, being on a mountain at elevation, but I was, and still am a, a complete rookie at, um, elk hunting. So this podcast will definitely not be a how to, and I, <laughs> I certainly welcome some of your listeners. Um, cause I, I know you've had some, 
some people on as guests who, who could run circles around me on a mountain, and I'm sure many of your listeners are the same way. So I certainly welcome them to contact me directly and give me some insight. Um, my my first experience was a trip to Idaho. I have a cousin um, who has lived and hunted the same unit like basically all of his life. So he offered to take me and. That was a unit where quads were allowed, and you know we were able to set up a base camp with a with a camper, um, take the quads on up the mountain, and then hike in from there. So it was. I'm not going to say it was an easy hunt. It was definitely challenging, um, but it was different than my second hunt, which was in Colorado, like park at the trailhead down at the bottom and then hike in for base camp, haul all of your equipment on your back. Um, and, uh, you know, I tried to study up as much as I could. I still, I still walked in with like, I think 70 pounds on my back. Um, and that was kind of a learning experience. Um, so two, two similar, but yet different types of experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and this coming hunt that we have planned in September will be for Roosevelt elk on the Oregon coast. And that was another deal where someone just contacted me online. Uh, his name is Timothy Gilman. And he said, Hey, I don't see a whole lot of, uh, Roosevelt elk hunting on TV. And I certainly don't see coastal elk hunts very much. So would you guys be interested in coming up here and let me host you on a hunt? And of course, I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. Um, and so we're going to actually be able to, we're going to be close enough to the ocean that we'll be able to get um, shellfish or what, whatever it's called, licenses, and we'll be able to go set crab traps and then go up on the mountain. And he lives so close to the area that we're hunting in that we're actually going to be able to drive there and then drive back home and sleep in a normal bed uh, in a home each night uh, if we choose to do that. So it's going to be a whole different type of experience this time as well. Um, And I've still taken it very seriously, the preparation. I'm actually working with uh, Coach Jeremy Corver with Fit to Hunt out of St. Louis. We're, We're working remotely together on the phone and online and I've been doing a, a mixture of long uh, hikes with weight on my back and um, actual traditional weight type workouts, um, gosh, I think for about six months now, um, and have lost weight, gained muscle, and gained uh, stamina. So I'm trying to use uh, the the small mountains, so to speak, here to uh, prepare myself the best way I can to to get around while we're hunting in September in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's exactly it. You got to start early, and that's one thing that that kind of caught me off guard from hunting in Michigan. It's probably similar in Missouri too. Um, you know, we didn't start hunting till really like the end of September. Um, bow season in Michigan for whitetail didn't start till October 1st. So the big thing for me when I moved to Colorado was just like getting in the mentality of like, Hey, like your season starts August 24th, you know, which is like, you know, almost more than a month earlier than what you're used to. So you got to start, you got to really start thinking about hunting and training and preparation in, you know, uh, May at the May, June at the latest and, um, you know, really start getting everything dialed in months ahead of time so that you're not behind the ball game. Cause that's one thing that threw me off when I first started is just, I just was not prepared both physically and my equipment. I just didn't have everything I needed by the time I went out to hunt my first year. So, um, I'm sure you're kind of in that same boat. You got to get yourself kind of prepared mentally because whitetail season's kind of an afterthought by the time elk season starts. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I started um, uh, I started dieting last June, so a little over a year ago, um, I had uh, I fell out of a tree while white whitetail hunting, and I was down for like four months, and um, so I put on weight, and I just before I even knew I was going to go elk hunting, 
again, I just, I started dieting to start losing some of that weight. And then I started with coach Jeremy and fit to hunt, um, in February, I believe of 2018. So, I mean, it's been, you know, uh, a lot of hard work for a long time to best prepare myself. Um, you know, I'm not really going to have to worry about altitude too much because since we're on the coast, I think that we'll only be at a total of like 12 or 1400 feet um, in altitude. So I don't think the thin air will be an issue, but I know the elevation change will, will be a challenge. So that's what I've been trying to work on keeping my pelvis healthy and, um, and then shooting enough. I mean, regardless of what type of hunting I'm doing, I, I shoot my bow year round. And so I knew that wouldn't be an issue. I mean, I'll, I have complete confidence in making the shot. I've just extended my training, like the, uh, the distance of my shooting. I'm shooting at like 60 or 70 yards. Uh, usually now as I hardly ever practice at like 20 yards. Um, so I'm, I'm practicing at long distances, whether I'll actually get or take a shot that long, you know, maybe a different story, but, but I feel that, you know, if I'm confident in shooting at 60 or 70, then I'll be ready for a shot on an elk. So the shooting is there. I think at this point, the, my weight and physical fitness is, is there or, and, and right now it's just a matter of kind of like coach Jeremy told me, you know, we're getting so close. We're about five or six weeks away from leaving that it's just kind of maintaining right now and making sure I stay healthy. I certainly don't want to push so hard now that I, you know, come up with some type of silly injury, um, whether it be in my shoulder from shooting too much or pushing myself too much on hikes. It's just kind of, you know, maintenance at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, with Pacific Northwest, uh, are you guys hunting, you said in Oregon or Washington? Oregon. Okay. So we're going to be, we're going to be like basically straight west of Portland, um, right on the coast. Yeah. The lot, I mean, that really sounds, it sounds intriguing to me because mostly, you know, with what I've had on the show or pretty much all of what I've had on the show so far is just that, you know, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, that type of landscape, which you've already kind of experienced. But, um, from what I understand is that the terrain there in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon and, um, Washington, it's very dense. Uh, you know, it's wet, it's almost like a rainforest and it can be very, very challenging in order to locate elk because you really just don't have the open country in a lot of aspects. Um, I've heard a long shot in that area is 20 yards, 15 to 20 yards is a long shot in some, in some of those spots. Is that kind of what you guys are kind of prepping for in, in that scenario or, or do you not really know what to expect, um, as of yet? Yeah, I asked, I asked him at one point and he said, he told me that if I'm good out to 40 yards, that would be about <clears throat> as long as we would probably get. So that's why I'm practicing at like 60 or 70. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I always kind of take the strategy that if I'm going to shoot it at 40, I'm going to practice at 60 or if I'm going to shoot at 20, I'm going to practice at 40. And yeah. that, that makes that, uh, that vital area look so much larger when you actually get up to, you know, your shooting, your true shooting range. So, um, and then, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming this, I mean, I'm relying so much on Tim to, to be our guide. I know he's out there and he's scouting the area. He, he does a spring bear hunt in the same area. So he, he's going to know where the elk are before we get there. And I don't think it's, it's as much glassing that you would see in the Rocky Mountains as it is like hanging trail cameras in certain locations, looking for wallers, um, looking for sign in the timber. I mean, I guess it's it's a little bit like, you know, scouting for whitetail in, in the big woods of the Midwest um, uh, as opposed to sitting on a mountaintop and glassing in uh, in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a I understand. A little bit different strategy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now is, 
when are you guys going? Is this going to be like middle of September? Is the rut going to be kicking in at that point? Tell us, tell us about the kind of dynamic of maybe pre-rut or rut to where you're getting into, um, in Oregon. Yeah. So we're, we're going to leave on, uh, we, we fly out September 6th and I think we'll, we'll have 10 days. So it's like September 6th through the 16th. And it's been my, I mean, that, that date was actually based upon the, prior information that, that Tim has as, as our guide. Um, and, you know, we kind of let him pick the dates for us. Um, but it's been my experience hunting before that, you know, the really hot time for elk can come anywhere within about a three week period. So you might be there one week and it's totally slow. And then the next week it's hot as fire. Yeah. Um, or, you might you might go one week and it's totally slow because it was super hot the previous week. So I, I think the the timing as far as dates, I, I think that's a bit of a flip of the coin and kind of determined as you know as to when the uh, the elk want to turn on. Yeah, why well, I, I I always like that time period like that early September just because. Um, I feel like a lot of people are hunting opening week and opening weekend, and then a lot of people are banking their time for the third week of September, at least in Colorado. I don't know how it exactly is in Oregon and Washington, but, um, you know, it seems to be like the first week and the last week get pounded the hardest from out of staters and a lot of people just kind of getting into the action. Whereas I've found kind of like Labor Day weekend into like towards the middle of September, like where you guys will be. Um, there's just less pressure and, and the hunting can still be really good. They're still getting rutted up. They're still bugling. It might not be the high intensity rut crazy fest like you get into in that third week, but they're definitely still moving. But the advantage is I think you just have less people there because they're kind of on that first and last week. Um, so you might have that run into that same scenario, um, with your hunt this year as well. Yeah. So Tim told us that, you know, basically being there anytime before rifle season kicks off, like, you know, that's going to be a better opportunity at, at being there with less pressure and, and probably a better opportunity at seeing more elk or, or the elk being more callable at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about gear, um, for a second. I, obviously you've been on a couple elk hunts already to the West and you probably have a pack and, in and boots and, you know, a lot of the gear that you need. Um, are you purchasing any additional items such as maybe rain gear? Because I know it's, it can be pretty wet in that area of the country. Um, tell us a little bit about your gear and maybe what you've added to your repertoire over, you know, mountain West hunting versus the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of stating the obvious when, um, you know, if I say uh, I'll be using a larger pack. Um, however, with this particular hunt, since we'll be going back and forth uh, from the mountain to, um, to his home, um, we'll basically be in a day pack situation. So hopefully I can keep my pack closer to like 15 or 20 pounds. I mean, uh, I'm a coffee guy, so I definitely <laughs> have to have a jet boil. Um, uh, uh, I'll bring a water fil- filtration system, um, uh, some protein bars, uh, mountain house meals, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe so, a set of dry socks. Um, so, uh, and then obviously we'll have to carry in a frame pack um, uh, that uh, that we'll we'll use to to help us pack out. So um, personally, what I'm hoping to do is to take my regular day pack, and we started using the uh, the field line packs this year, and, and got into a partnership with with them, um, and they have a whole big range of different sizes. Uh, for different types of hunts, and we even have the opportunity to help them design some some packs this year that'll be coming out soon. So I'll be taking a field line like day pack, and then a frame pack that they they have um, in their line of products, and attaching my day pack to that that uh, that frame pack. So I'm you know got my daily needs covered, and then also have 
the ability to um, strap on some some meat and pack an elk out should we get that opportunity. So that's that's kind of my strategy with the uh, the, the pack stuff. And again, I've been trying to hike at you know a little bit heavier weight than what I think I'll be carrying. Just like shooting at longer distance, practicing at longer distances than I'll actually think that I'll shoot. Um, so I've been going slightly heavier, um, on my, on my, uh, training hikes. Um, and then, um, we, we work with, uh, dry shod boots right now, which is, um, like a, um, uh, a rubber, uh, well, they're, they're branded and marketed as the most wearable rubber boot in the world. And, and it real they are super comfortable um they have a hydro coat material so not only are they waterproof but they have a coating on the outside that will repel water kind of like if you waxed your car and you would watch what water actually will beat up on these boots um and then we have so i'll have a couple of different options with a higher top boot and a lower top kind of like hiking slip-on type shoe um and I've been wearing those around the yard, um, hiking with them, I mean, getting used to wearing that. And of course I've been hunting with them this past year. So, um, I'm used to wearing that, um, that type of, of footwear anyway. So, um, hopefully that'll work out well for us. And then, you know, just like here in the Midwest during deer season, I assume that I'm going to have to be prepared for warmer weather, colder weather, and rainy weather um, all within the same week. So I'll pack a larger bag to travel with and then um, put in some um, some rain coverage uh, uh, clothes in my pack. And, uh, and then hopefully we'll have beautiful dry weather to hunt in. But be prepared in case we don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You never, you never know. Um, and that's cool to hear you talk about, you know, different options for gear and, and, you know, a day pack and a larger pack. I kind of have the same, I have a similar setup. I run on, you know, a larger frame pack that I can bivy in or take a tent and sleeping bag and all that stuff. But I've also bought a, you know, an add on so I can take that pack off utilize the same frame and put a smaller day pack on there, but still have, you know, the frame to be able to haul out meat. So I really like that. Um, but that another thing I kind of like about what you're doing too is, and a lot of people think that you have to like Western hunting or elk hunting, like you have to hike in, you know, two, three, four miles and set up camp and then start hunting from there from what you're telling me is that you're, you're basically staying at a house. You're going to drive to an area, hike in and, you know, essentially do day hunts and come home at night. I do this. I do a similar setup or I do a mix of kind of everything. I, I, uh, I do a week hunt every year where we kind of stay in a cabin. Uh, my buddy's dad has a place up there and, you know, surrounded by national forests. So we hunt out of that. I also do some weekends where I go in for two to three days, uh, with a tent and kind of bivy. But I also do a decent amount of days as well where I just hunt out of the house and drive somewhere. And um, you kind of get a mix of everything. And it's pretty cool to hear that you're doing that just hunting out of a house because whatever way it takes to get it done, um, and if you're fine with that experience, then go for it. It's it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. So just cool to hear that you guys are doing that and hunting from the house. Yeah, I mean... You know, and I've I've experienced while I've while I've been elk hunting on on those two other hunts, I've experienced and, and heard people tell stories. You know, of, yeah, I shot my elk within a mile from the road. Um, so I think um, again, I'm going to kind of rely on Tim to know that location and trust that he will know where to put us. Um, and another, going back to the gear, uh, I was thinking you were talking about kind of attaching one thing to another. We, we work with a company called Night Eyes that um, has just a ton of, of really useful um, attachment products. Uh, and then also, of course, their lighting system. So, um, you know, I don't think uh, any hunter could go into any type of hunt, whether it's a week-long trek or 
or a day hunt without uh, some type of lighting system. So we'll be using headlamps um, and lanterns that are super lightweight and uh, that I can either attach to the outside of the pack or stuff down in my bag um, and then be ready with the flashlights and the headlamps as well for blood trailing. They even make a, uh, a, a blood, like an ultraviolet uh, blood tracking light. Um, and uh, of course, if you're quartering an elk in the dark, uh, you'll, or any, any animal in the dark, you'll need, need lighting as well. And then they have like their full line of gear ties that, that are helpful to attach stuff to your pack. And, um, you know, I've, I've been really happy with those products and I think they can be helpful for anyone hunting regardless of, of the location. Um, but especially a mountain type hunter where you're, you know, you're trying to make the most of your space and weight, um, and, uh, and, and, trying to pare things down as much as possible yeah for sure all that matters so let's uh let's talk about like your first couple elk hunts maybe you know what what were some of the similarities what were some of the differences um you know like let's say you hunted in idaho first did you do something a little bit different when you hunted colorado for the second time um you know what were some of those first initial kind of learning curves that you went through and maybe talk us talk us through some of those and maybe how you'll kind of you know be better prepared for this year's hunt yeah i mean so so the first one the hunt in idaho was with I was with my cousin who had been hunting that area, that unit for years and years. And, um, it was easy in the fact that he was able to, you know, walk me into areas that have been successful for him in the past. He kind of knew how the elk moved in that area. Um, I passed on a spike. Um, the first evening we walked into, uh, into the hunting area and, um, we had elk, all over us the whole week. I mean, every single day we had an elk, I would say within a hundred yards of bull within a hundred yards. Um, but they, and he told me this, he called me about a week ahead of time and he was like, man, if you can change your flight, it's happening right now. Uh, so, uh, just like, a, a, a person hunting turkeys, you know, that are hinned up, these elk were with cows and they would respond um, kind of like a turkey would, but they would not leave the cows. Um, so I never got a shot opportunity. I did get to about, I think I was 26 yards from a really big bull um, the last morning I was there. And um, I had my bow in my hand and him in my sights. I could see he was close enough that I could see his silhouette. But I was just waiting for legal shooting light and ethical shooting light. Uh, for myself and uh something else came down the mountain i don't know what it was but it spooked him and he was on the other side of the mountain in like what seemed to be a split second it's pretty amazing to watch those things traverse their terrain um so that was it was a super exciting experience that first hunt and then uh the the second hunt in colorado we were there just completely do it yourself uh, we were, we kind of picked a spot on the map and, and hiked into a couple of different areas and just never, um, we saw elk, um, in the distance, but we were never able to close the distance. We were never able to call anything in. Um, I think if we would have been with a more experienced hunter, uh, or guide, uh, we, we probably would have had better luck. Um, that one was exciting from an adventure standpoint, but frustrating, you know, uh, from a hunter's standpoint in that we were never able to get ourselves close enough to an elk that week that, you know, we even felt like we were going to get a shot. So there was a big, pretty big contrasting situation there. Both of the hunts ended up in an empty pocket, but, um, one was, was more exciting than the other, uh, as far as being close to, to animals, uh, yeah. than, than the other. So, yeah, every everyone kind of always dreams of the the DIY hunt, and I I love doing it myself. I love figuring it out myself. But with with elk hunting, if you can go with somebody who has has who knows maybe that general area, they're not going to be like 
hand-holding you like a you know a full-time guide for some reason but if you just have a connection whether it's a friend through a friend or you meet somebody on a forum or you you go to uh you know a weekend outdoor expo and you're talking with people and you know that's that's my biggest thing is if if you can meet even if you don't know somebody you know with the resources online and just being able to connect with people through social media if you can find some common ground where you can you can hunt with somebody um, who knows that lay of the land you're going to have a much more enjoyable hunt than than you know necessarily trying to figure it out yourself and props to the guys who do that um you know i walk people through that all the time i try to put out content that you know focuses on figuring it out yourself um, but it's not easy at the end of the day so if if you can connect with people who know that and maybe you trade hunts you know like maybe that guy will come out and whitetail hunt with you or you know whatever um, it makes a big difference and at least gets your feet wet and and you're gonna you're gonna have better experiences uh, it shortens the learning curve a little bit and uh, you know hopefully have some success then uh, you know sooner than later so that's something to keep in mind Actually, my my wife is is so good at, at bringing me back down to earth and, and providing perspective. After that second <clears throat> more frustrating uh, hunt in Colorado, uh, she said to me, "Like, why would you spend the next five or ten years trying to do this by yourself when you know you're not really you're certainly not a seasoned elk hunter uh, and an experienced elk hunter." when you could go out, spend some money on, on hiring a guide and, uh, have a much better chance at actually, you know, uh, getting on, uh, on a good shot. And, you know, I had kind of fought that idea, you know, thinking, well, you know, I, I kind of know what I'm doing when it comes to white tail deer and Turkey. Uh, and, and I guess there's a little bit of ego there and, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to spend the money to, pay someone to take me hunting, I can, I can figure this out, you know, and then you quickly realize, you know, that, um, for the inexperienced, uh, you know, I, I don't think being an experienced whitetail hunter in the Midwest can quite prepare you for, uh, successfully hunting an elk in the mountains and vice versa. I mean, not to take one, not to take anything away from either type of hunter, but there's just a difference. I mean, uh, someone from Colorado or, or Oregon or Idaho may have a difficult time if they came to the Midwest and tried to hunt a whitetail or a turkey out here. So yeah. um, it's it's one's not better than the other, but it's just different. And like I said before, I have a ton of respect for those guys who can uh, and, and do have the knowledge to to go out and do it themselves. But uh, if uh, if I'm being really honest with myself, then uh, you know, I have to say that I, I need help when it comes to getting on my first elk. So, uh, I, I, I learned quickly to put that ego aside and, and say, yeah, that someone's offering, I will definitely take the help <laughs> and, and kind of, uh, kind of yield to their knowledge and their, their, uh, their guidance. Um, and then maybe, Maybe later on in the years, I'll gain enough experience to go back out there and try a more do-it-yourself style hunt. But until then, I you know I think I'm much well, much better fitted to to be with someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's all good stuff, Joe. Um, yeah, well, I, I think I think we've covered a lot. I, I just like the dynamic of you've kind of experienced all these different aspects of not only terrain and, and geographic locations, but also like the hunting style of you know, how you're going in, how you're camping, how, how you're, you know, staying with, you know, in a house and kind of doing day hunts. I, I like all that. And I think it's very applicable and it just opens up, will open up people's eyes that there's not one way to do this and you can get creative with how you want to approach. And, um, you know, the main thing, just hopefully people are inspired by this, that they can go take their own hunt and, and, and do that for the first time. Cause I'm sure like, you know, coming from the Midwest and just hunting whitetail, when you get out to the mountains and you hear that first bugle or see that first elk, it's a game changer. I'm sure. You know, I've always been such a staunch advocate of getting more people involved in the outdoors and hunting. And 
and uh, trying to curb that loss that we have of um, <clears throat> that net loss that we have of hunters and making sure that that tradition of the activity stays alive. And, you know, when I first learned about your podcast and, and I kind of studied up on the guests you were having and I knew you had experience with, with mountain and big game hunting, I thought, you know, if I could get on this, this podcast and show or let your listeners hear someone who has been humbled by his inexperience with that type of hunting in the mountains for big game, maybe, maybe people could hear my story and say, okay, well, he's had to, he's had to eat some humble pie and, um, you know, he's finally admitted to himself that he needs help. And, um, you know, maybe that would change someone's feeling about hunting in a different location, whether it be going from big mountains to little mountains or little mountains to fields or, or whatever, but just experiencing something different. Like, like you said, it's okay to say to yourself and admit to yourself, I don't know how to do this. And, um, and I need help. So that, that was kind of my, uh, kind of the ulterior motive that I had of talking on your show was to kind of provide some, some contrast to some of the more experienced hunters or or big game hunters that you've had on your show and, um, hopefully motivate some other people to say, Oh yeah, I can do this, but I should probably get some help doing this. And it's okay to say, I don't know it all. So yeah, yeah, hopefully if, (laughs) if, if, if that inspires or motivates others, then, then my strategy worked. Oh yeah. That, and that's exactly it, Joe. I mean, I, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't pretend to be, you know, the most knowledgeable guy, you know, you're on the same page and even the guests that I have on, I'm not, I'm not looking for, you know, the guy that has all the tactics and has all the knowledge, um, you know, all the time. I want to hear from real life people that are getting out there and doing it because at the end of the day, that's how you learn. That's how you get better. Uh, you just got to go after it. That's, that's what I've found. Just, just take the plunge and, and do it and you're going to love it along the way and there's no right or wrong way to do it. So it's, it's all good stuff. And you know, yeah, go ahead. Along, along with the, the, of course we'll create an episode about the hunt, but we are, um, we've kind of decided creatively that this would be a great opportunity for us to create a short film, um, from the media side of it and show how hunting can bring different people from different areas of the country together with a common theme, even though our, 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 our areas or backgrounds may be different. So if you think about this, we've got, me and two other guys from Missouri headed to Oregon. We've got the guy who we've never met in person in Oregon waiting for us. And then we have another field producer, creative guy, um, who I work with through Night Eyes, um, who is a rock climber and a hunter. He is going to meet us out there. And he's from Colorado. So you've got wow. Missouri, Colorado, Oregon coming together in Oregon and how cool is that, that this activity can bring, you know, three groups of people together who've never met face to face, but just use social media, um, to gain friendships. And we've all been chatting on the phone and and on Facebook and through text message and email, getting things planned and logistics. And, um, uh, and after all, I think as hunters, we all know that that's a one of the biggest parts of the adventure is the planning. So we want to create a, a short film to uh, to tell that story of how the mountains brought us together, how this particular activity brought us together. And, and going back to what you were saying with people sharing information and knowledge and helping each other. I mean, how cool is it that, um, you know, we can, we can all learn something from someone else if we just open our minds, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, hopefully we'll be able to use our creative talent to, 
to show that to other people and maybe educate and motivate other people to say, oh, well, I can do this too. You know, I just need, um, you know, I just need a buddy to help me or a buddy to go along with me and I can learn from him and he or she can learn from me. And uh, So that's hopefully what we'll end up putting out um, from the creative side. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. When when will that short film uh, launch? When when will this hunt air, and, and, and where will that be? Will that be on your website? Will it be on Pursuit Channel? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, the episode will air um, uh, during at some point during the first quarter of, of, of 2019, so somewhere sometime after January 1st. However, it kind of falls. Usually we air stuff chronologically, so it'll be one of the first episodes of the season, uh, certainly one of the first three or four episodes of the season. And then, you know, um, anybody who's a creative type kind of knows what I'm saying when when I say I don't know uh, as far as the film goes. Um, you know, we're going to have to sit down together and, and do post-production and um, try to try to put something together that we're proud of. And I've always been a quality over quantity type yep. of guy, type of production guy or creative guy. So hopefully if we do the hunt in September, we'll be ready for the first round of film festivals, like at the first of the year and, and in the spring um, and be able to enter some, uh, some film festivals. Nice. Nice. And, and uh, not, not just hunting, not just hunting film festivals, but, but more independent type film festivals that, might be interested in, you know, not necessarily uh, reaching out to a hunter, but maybe even a non-hunter to show the human side of what we do as hunters. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more than a kill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. And before we jump off here, Joe, what, um, where can we go to find uh, Hunt Co.? Tell us about the website. Um, social media, Instagram, tell us about that so we can send the listeners your way. Yeah, for sure. The, the website is huntcotv.com. Uh, at the Outdoor Adventure Network, you can just Google that and find our shows up there. So like our archived shows, you can see uh, and watch all the way back to season one. Um, I don't know the exact airtime uh, yet for the Pursuit Channel. It'll just kind of depend on how much money we raise as far as what our airtime will be. But it'll be sometime on, on the Sunday morning hunting block uh, starting after January 1st. And uh, so then, of course, we're on the regional networks as well. Uh, so uh, for anyone in the, the Virginia area, they can catch us um, on, I believe we're on there Saturday nights. Uh, and then we're on KOZL out of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, that airs in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas on Saturday afternoons at 3 central time. So for most of your listeners, the best opportunity to check us out would be online at the Outdoor Adventure Network. Nice, nice. Well, very cool. Well, I really... Oh, and face, uh, social media. I forgot yeah, about social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cover that. Uh, Facebook, you just look up uh, The Hunt Co. And then on Instagram, it's The underscore Hunt Co. Uh, so... Um, yeah, and we're always up for talking to people. Uh, if you want to, if you want to buy some product, you can buy some product. If you want to talk hunting, you can talk hunting. Uh, anything that will, uh, uh, anything anybody wants to talk about, we're very approachable, and, and we always respond to our messages and phone calls. Awesome stuff. Well, I really appreciate it, Joe. Um, good luck to your hunting this year. I'll be in touch, and hopefully after you've you've done this Pacific Northwest hunt, um, we can have you back on for a future episode and kind of talk about that a little bit more in depth as far as strategy and, and terrain and kind of what you got into because, um, you know, that's something we just don't talk about a lot on here. So, again, appreciate you having on, yeah, and hopefully we can get you back that. on in the future. Man, that sounds great. All right, and there it is, another episode in the books. Thanks again to Joe for coming on the podcast. Lots of good information. If there's one big takeaway that I gathered from talking with Joe, um, you know, he does a really good job at connecting with people. And, you know, that's how that's how a lot of people go on hunts that, you know, they really have no idea what they're getting into or, um, you know, any lay of the land. If you can connect with somebody, whether it's on a forum 
or you're at a local sports show or a friend of a friend, um, any way that you can connect with somebody who maybe has local intel or knowledge or can kind of show you the ropes in that area, it really does cut down the learning curve. Um, you know, the guys that want to completely do it on their own, that's great. That's that's very rewarding in itself. But if, if you have limited time, limited resources, and you're looking to kind of shorten that learning curve, try to connect with people um, There's through social media, however you want to do it. It's a great way to get your foot in the door, get your feet wet, and then, you know, maybe return the favor if you've got some land or some, you know, property that you know in your neck of the woods and they want to come out and hunt with you. Maybe that's a good way to kind of, you know, trade off and and uh, develop a long-lasting friendship there. So that's pretty neat. And, and Joe, you know, with the TV show and everything, I mean, they're just going after hunts. He's the type of guy that's trying new things and is not afraid to just go after it and, and go on that hunt, which is a lot of what my whole blog and website and podcast is about. It's about inspiration. Um, life's short at the end of the day. You know, if you've been dreaming about going on a certain hunt or whether it be an elk hunt or moose hunt or, you know, whitetail hunt somewhere out of state, uh, go for it. You're not going to regret it. And it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. It's, it's you know, if you plan, you do it right, you save the pennies, it's, it's something that is affordable, especially for the DIY side without outfitters and, you know, that whole uh, involvement there. So, um, you know, hope you guys like what you're hearing. If you are planning on elk hunting in Colorado this year, again, I urge you to go to transitionwild.com, subscribe, and I'll send you the beginner Colorado elk hunting guide for free. Just gets you started, helps you evaluate what you're doing, uh, from planning, gear selection, scouting, and more. So make sure you do that transitionwild.com. I'll send you that for free. Also check out those scouting videos. Those are a new addition to the YouTube page. So if you're looking to start digitally scouting, I kind of walk you through what to look for. And then part two, I take you into the field. So check that out on the Transition Wild YouTube page. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to leave that five-star review on Sportsman's Nation Big Game feed. Leave us that five-star review. be much appreciated. Check us out, Sportsman's Nation, on facebook instagram check out transition transition wild on facebook and instagram lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe so again appreciate you for listening thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon